1: Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast. This one on Thursday afternoon, August the 26th, 2021. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL, joined by Senior Team Reporter Charlie Potter as we get you closer and closer to that season opener. One week from Saturday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia, the Alabama Crimson Tide, and the Miami Hurricanes. Charlie, how are you doing on this Thursday afternoon? I'm good, man.
0: It's uh it's busy time of year. Um, I think like the last week or so, it really hasn't felt like the season's as close as it is, but with being pulled in so many different directions, whether it's just interviews for players and, and Saban or people wanting to be on their radio show and all that kind of stuff, it's... You can tell the season's right around the corner now. It's it's starting to really feel like it's here.
1: Yeah, like we've talked about on the pod in recent weeks, it was sort of a tease having those media viewing periods, even if they were sporadic, because that sort of heightens the anticipation, Mm -hmm. or at least crests in a way as you get ready for game week. With those going by the boards, Charlie, it almost has that sense again that we're going to look up and – it's going to be Alabama and Miami taking the field there in Atlanta. So, again, a different vibe altogether than what we were used to back in 2019 and going back to previous years. But we still hear from Nick Saban on a regular basis. That was the case once again on Wednesday evening. And it was interesting, I guess you could say, Charlie, to hear Nick Saban and some of his comments. Um, You know what, we'll start with because we probably – haven't talked about this enough, maybe, is the intangibles with this 2021 football team, especially on the heels of a just sensational, magical season a year ago, undefeated 13-0 and college football playoff national champs. And Nick Saban repeatedly last season told us how much he enjoyed coaching those guys, that team. Uh, We haven't heard that yet from Nick Saban when it comes to this latest group, but uh, some of the comments we've heard, including on Wednesday night, and talking about people can't be overwhelmed by their circumstance, Uh, looking back at last Saturday's scrimmage, when you evaluate effort, resiliency, in relation to that comment about being overwhelmed by their circumstance, from an intangibles perspective, Charlie, if you're an Alabama fan right now, what's your anxiety level like in trying to gauge exactly where this team is, maybe from a chemistry perspective, in terms of an overall leadership perspective?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's probably not the warm and fuzzies, um, especially with how quickly this, the season's approaching. But this is a, a difficult week, Um you know, you're coming off of that last scrimmage and you kind of, this is like the limbo week where, uh, you kind of start to focus like on the opponent. Week. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a weird one and it's a challenging one. And, um, you know, they've practiced a lot. Um, you know, Nick Saban even, you know, going into that first scrimmage talked about the difficulty there just because the preseason schedule and what they're allowed to do is a little different. And so I think it has been challenging. You got to take into account too. They've had, you know, some guys banged up. Um, you know, some guys have missed extensive time, whether that's Kendall Randolph or, um, DeMarco Hellams with those sprained ankles. You know, there's just guys peppered everywhere that have missed a couple practices here and there. So that consistency has probably been a little difficult. Um, you know, hearing about the passing game for one, uh, about the timing and the chemistry there. Um, you know, it, it's not, it, he hasn't really ever said anything negative about Bryce Young. Uh, I think that they're pretty pleased with how he's coming along, but it's a lot of new guys. It's a lot of new players stepping into new roles. And, and that's always the case in Alabama. You know, they're always going to have guys leave early, uh, for the draft, seniors leave and things like that. And you're going to have to have new players step up, but you know, it's, it's, it's different. And, um, the, the overwhelming comment, um, you know, I, I think caught a lot of attention because, you know, he says you get overwhelmed by constantly talking about negative things, how I feel, how tired I am, whatever that might be. And, you know, fall camp and the preseason is a challenging time of year already. And then when you start to talk about that stuff, it just creates what he likes to
1: call the poor me. So again, an epidemic, yes. epidemic, Charlie, of poor me. I don't think there. I've ever we've heard poor me, Charlie, but an epidemic of poor me's
0: Yeah, I think the. Maybe the mindset of the team isn't where he wants it to be right now. Um, I, I think that can change quickly, just in terms of leadership and, and guys stepping up and getting out of funks. And I don't think it's necessarily everyone. I don't think it's just widespread throughout the building. I think they've had some guys step up, especially in defense from a leadership standpoint. Um, but you know, the offense, you know, there's there's a lot of work to do on the offensive line. Uh, the tight end position, I know, was an area of interest of late um and you know the re- receivers and and Bryce Young I think that chemistry is coming along but you know it it's not necessarily maybe where they want it to be right now so yeah I'm, i don't think it's anywhere close to what they were going to have or what they had offensively last year um but that's kind of to be expected we've we've talked all offseason long about how much they have to replace on the offense side of the ball and these guys stepping into these bigger roles, it it can create some anxiety, and I, I think that's what it's done. And you know, maybe those guys will, will calm down a little bit and once they get to game week and settle down. I still, I mean, I don't think anybody has cause for concern that Alabama is going to go out there and just crap the bed against Miami because of this. But it was his comments were interesting to say the least last night.
1: Yeah, I think that more than a derogatory sort of stance against where this current team finds itself it just underscores once again how special last year's team was when you consider all the things that were going on outside the building a year ago with the pandemic with social unrest and everything that sort of you know that team dealt with and navigated together we got a really early understanding that from that perspective, there were going to be no questions asked about the 2020 team. And so, again, not so much, I think, a concern right now anyway. Maybe that'll change once we come out of the Miami game. Uh, but just, again, just proof positive of, you know, exactly how special, uh you know, that team was a year ago. And you talked about the defense and having more of that kind of stuff, I guess you could call it on that side of the ball. But I think even Henry Toa Toa coming in has heightened that, you know, just to hear so much of the talk about Toa Toa be more so about the intangibles than even his talent. That kind of tells me that maybe they needed a boost even on that side of the ball.
0: They did. Yeah. I mean, the, there's a lot of guys returning on defense It's an experienced group. I think it'll be improved because of that, but you know, they were lacking leadership last year and, you know, Dylan Moses was banged up. Uh, You had some, some younger guys that were stepping into new roles. Um, Some guys that are kind of quiet that were big time pieces. You had several true freshmen playing last year. So leadership was something that was definitely needed this offseason. I think they've got it from several areas. And one is the inside linebacker position. Not only is, you know, Christian Harris stepping into uh, his third season and you know now a, a grizzled veteran at this point. But the addition of to Henry Toa Toa, um, I've said it before, it, it's it's looking like it could have a similar effect as Landon Dickerson on that side of the ball because he's coming in. Not only is he going to be um, a significant contributor on the field, but he's been a leader. And that's been apparent from everyone that's um, been asked about him, whether it's his teammates, whether it's Nick Saban. Uh, whether it's Pete Goldie, and they've talked about that leadership, and um, I think that's big. And another one's Jordan Battle. Um, you know, I'm gonna have a story up in the morning about him and just the the maturation that he showed. Because you know, dating back to the spring, Nick Saban kind of called him out, uh, you know, during spring practice about. You know him uh, having the choice to be a leader, and he's going to have to make that choice and do the things he needs to do. And um, you know Nick Saban was pretty effusive in his praise of him after uh, this past Saturday's scrimmage and, and the ability to take on that role. And uh, really, he was um, he was high on both Jordan Battle and Demarco Helms for that. So yeah, I think they have guys on the defensive line that have also done it. Whether it's you know Fidarian Mathis probably being the biggest. Um, and then you know Will Anderson, a second year guy, a guy that knows the defense a lot better than he did last year, maybe finding his voice a little bit. So I think defensively, yeah, they're in a, they're in a much better spot there. And I think they have guys on offense. Um, you know, I wrote just a little bit ago about Bryce Young and how he's stepping into that. And I think that's huge for this team because Mac Jones was a team captain. He was a guy that you know the players were adamant about trusting him when he stepped in for Tua in 2019. And so having to replace that kind of presence uh, in the locker room, on the field, in the huddle is big. And it, it sounds like Bryce is doing that. They just need, you know, more of that from some of the guys that are stepping into larger roles.
1: Yeah. If I had told you back on August the 1st, that by August the 26th, it'd be pretty evident that Bryce young has the complete trust of his coaches and teammates. You would say, well, that's awesome because the center position returns a super senior in Chris Owen. So, that battery of center and quarterback, you're set. You're good to go at two of the most critical positions on the field, especially from an offensive perspective. But we heard from Nick Saban following last Saturday's scrimmage that there was still competition very much ongoing at the center position. Saban on Wednesday was asked to expand on that a little bit more on the center competition, and once again, he reasserted that very much a competition that is underway. He didn't get into specifics where names are concerned, but I think it's pretty clear, Charlie, that, well, Chris Owens, one of those two candidates, and Darian Dahlcourt, the third-year player, probably, we would think, the other guy.
0: Yeah, those are the top two candidates there, and Um, you know, the other guys that have worked at center, Seth McLaughlin, who's a second year player and and James Brockermeyer, true freshman who enrolled in the spring. But I think it's, it's pretty clear that it is Owens and Dalcourt and, um, you know, the, to hear how Nick Saban broke it down Wednesday and talking about how they need to get a lot more consistency at the position, you know, he uses a lot of the time he says a little, a little bit, but to hear a lot more, um, you know, says that he's not satisfied with that position, and whether it's consistency in snaps, which is obviously important for the center position, consistency in blocking, another you know top um, bullet mark for for that group. Um, you know, they they want to see more, and um, he said both guys are making progress, but they're both competing, and um, th- at the same time, the problem with the center position is inconsistency, and it goes back to what we were talking about. At the top of the podcast where guys have been banged up uh, chris owens didn't play in the first scrimmage so that gave darian dalcourt reps with the first team um darian dalcourt i don't believe played in the second scrimmage so now chris owens is back with the one so it's inconsistency and it's it's all about getting the guys on the field and building that chemistry that camaraderie uh, as a unit and that's especially important on the offensive line but you know, whenever he says things like consistency and snaps, you know, that's a that's probably a little bit little bit of a concern. And, you know, Chris Chris Owens is in his second or his sixth season and he's a guy that has starting experience at the position and for there to be competition at this point, um, you know, it says that Darian Dalcourt has done a lot to impress them and you know, if that's the case, maybe you lean toward that. That's just me talking here. I'm I'm not you know, that's nothing that Nick Saban said, but um, you would have thought, like you said, heading into this point of, of camp that with what has been said about Bryce Young and the fact that, uh, Chris Owens is that super senior, you'd be set uh, from the, the anchor spots on your offense. But you know, at least for one of those, that doesn't appear to be the case right now.
1: New offensive line coach and Doug Marone to consider into that as well. Different set of eyes evaluating guys going into this season. Uh, than the last couple of years So uh, yeah, it starts with the snap I mean, If you're struggling to get snaps Especially from the shotgun perspective As much as offenses work from the gun these days uh, That's going to create competition in and of itself Because you can't do much without getting those correct On a down-by-down basis Um made me think a little bit about 2016 Because as you and I both recall Going out to media viewing periods leading up to that season opener against Southern California, it was Ross Pierce Baker. It was Ross Pierce Baker. It was Ross Pierce Baker. And about almost the same time, it seemed like, going into that prep for the Trojans, suddenly it was Bradley Bozeman at center. Now, the difference here is… When you made that move in 2016, it was still the same five on the field. Bozeman had been working at right guard. It was more of a case of him jumping in at center, Ross jumping over at right guard. You make a change at this point, you're talking about entirely different player coming into the mix there at the center position. So obviously some uh pretty big differences between those two analogies. I guess the point being you never know for sure, until we get to the season opener. And that includes the offensive line, which flies in the face of that popular narrative of you got to have continuity, you got to have consistency in those five. It just seems like Saban will never, never uh, sell out the, the, the the priority, which is quality for the sake of consistency, just to say he has continuity up front and they, and they work a lot of these groups on a daily basis stuff. We don't see either.
0: They do. And um, I think the 2016 team uh, comparison is, is interesting because you're right. I mean, it is a different circumstance, but it's it's worth noting. And you know, it, it's not, you know, I, I think it's also worth mentioning that, you know, Chris Owens can play other positions. So mm. maybe you just slide him over. But it looks like JV and Cohen has found a home at left guard. He's been pretty consistent there, if not seen all the reps at left guard. Uh, and then right tackle is the other position that's up for grabs on that offensive line. And while, you know, Kendall Randolph is, is out with that ankle injury and and JC Latham is kind of been the primary beneficiary with him out. Um, you know, other guys like Damian George and and Pierce quick have worked there. Chris Owens has experience at right tackle. Um, you know, he stepped in for Evan Neal last year against Arkansas. And so maybe they look to do that. I, I think that what it boils down to is there's, there's options. Um, and at the center spot, there's there's two options right now. But it is, you know, you would think that with this close to the season that they would like to, to find that group. But it's been tough because, you know, I, I think outside of Cohen in the preseason, you know, all the other guys have missed at least one of the scrimmages uh, due to injury mm-hmm. or just kind of a setback or something. So that consistency has been tough because of availability. And uh, I think this week is going to be important to try to, Figure that out, and it'll be interesting to see uh, Monday when we get that coveted depth
1: chart, just what it looks depth like chart from a Monday. breakdown perspective. Yes, absolutely. One other position that we've seen Chris Owens play as well is tight end, Charlie, which <laughs> takes us to Nick Saban's response to a question about your question, as a matter of fact, about Cameron Latou. This on the heels of a couple of very pointed comments, responses, in relation to questions about Jalil Billingsley in recent weeks, kind of figured that when it came to CAMLA 2, we might hear Nick perk up a little bit. Um, essentially, that was not the case, though.
0: Yeah, I mean, initially... Um, you know, well, first of all, I just asked the question about Cameron, too. I've, I've tried to, you know, look at what all has been asked, what position groups have been covered. You know, I, I, you try to get a quote from Saban about everything at this point, especially uh, a group like that, where Jaleel Billingsley has been in the doghouse a little bit. And, uh, you know, this is a softball question. How's he progressed? What does he look like? And then malfunction, really. It was, it was very awkward. the The pause between question and answer. I thought at first he didn't hear me. And then for a second, I thought, you know, you, you, maybe Saban hears fortunate son playing in the background, and he's thinking about Jiggle <laughs> Billingsley again. And so it was it was just a weird response. And I, I think it goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning with you're probably some anxiety and things like that. And I think Cameron Latou's had a good offseason. I think he probably had one of the best springs of anybody on the roster. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about the offensive line, and that's probably... You know, heading into the last 10 days before the opener, the, the biggest question mark for Alabama, maybe the biggest concern, if you want to use that kind of language. But you know, tied in right now uh, just because of availability and, and what Nick Saban said about some of Alabama's you know, top options there. That, that has to be near the top of the list, too. And, um, you know, I, if, if they go with Latham at right tackle um, and Kendall Randolph's available, then yeah. that makes you feel a little better from that that blocking aspect. But if, if Randolph is you know sidelined even longer by this ankle injury, um, and then you have whatever happens with Billingsley and, and Latu is you know kind of in a funk or whatever is going on with him, uh, that that position becomes a big time question mark. And so yeah, I mean I just I don't really remember him. Having that long of a pause for a, a question, he sounded
1: he sounded like me in eleventh grade when my algebra <laughs> two teacher asked me to come up and work a word problem on the chalkboard. That's what it sounded like, like no answers right now, and that's that's interesting because we came out of spring thinking, man, this offense might be more too tight end oriented with Latu, and Billingsley. And now I think some Alabama fans are thinking, you know what? We might just go two backs with no tight ends, you know, or like you said. Uh, reimplement the the extra offensive tackle. Keep those eighty four and eighty five jerseys ready for Chris Owens and and Kendall Randolph, Charlie.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's worth saying though that that Cameron Letu has flashed at times this preseason, and, and probably more so than not. Uh, I think altogether he scored maybe five touchdowns in the scrimmages or the A day game combined dating back to the spring uh, he's had one this preseason I think he and, and Bryce Young have a pretty good rapport and um, you know I, I think it's it's a guy that's that's stepping into a role uh, for the first time really and maybe it is a little bit of that anxiety that Nick Saban's really harped on um, throughout the preseason you know we, we don't know for sure but um, yeah I I think that it's it's not Time to to write him off. It's it's not time to write no. Billingsley off because it sounds like with Billingsley, it's it's not an issue of you know talent and uh, production and execution. So they could be all right there. They they could be if you know if the cards fall right, they could be really damn good at tight end. It just right now yeah. the way that the Nick Saban has responded to questions about these guys, it, it's not ideal.
1: Yeah, there will be some angst going into the season, and then you know we'll see the tight ends produce over a hundred receiving yards against <laughs> Miami and a couple of touchdowns or something like that. That's typically the way this works mm-hmm. in the lead up to a season. And there's maybe some challenges that are issued now, you know, the center thing I think is different because you're not challenging a sixth year senior and Chris Owens at this point in his career, it's either going to happen or, is or it isn't. So, you know, I think that's just you know, a, a legitimate position battle right now but with tight end yeah it sounds like uh some guys are being challenged a little bit and in all likelihood it'll all work out just fine in the wash we're gonna take a quick break here on the Bama online podcast when we come back more with charlie potter as we get you ready for the first weekend of college football that's right you got college football on the cable this weekend ucla and hawaii among the matchups i think illinois nebraska with a Week 0 Big Ten matchup as well. But we'll keep telling you about Alabama and getting you ready for the Crimson Tide when the Bama Online Podcast returns right after this.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel
1: drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call
0: 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in
1: every journey. Back with more of the Bama Online podcast, Travis Ryer and Charlie Potter on a Thursday, August the 26th, 2021. And you talk about the banged-up nature of this team, it seems like. Which the good news has been there hasn't been anything of the season ending variety mm-hmm. as of yet. Let me knock on this mahogany because <laughs> I have to find mahogany and uh, leather bound books. There we go. Knocking on it. Um, corner, it sounds like though. Still some issues maybe there and trying to finalize that spot opposite Josh Obe. So sounds like Jalen Armour Davis has sort of continued. What he built in the spring with a very strong candidacy there at that other corner position. But Nick Saban on Wednesday evening, Charlie, ran down a pretty long list of potential candidates.
0: He did, yeah. Um, Yeah, I, I think they feel good about the depth that they have at corner which says a lot given that they have to replace a, you know, an Animus all American and a, a first round draft pick and Patrick Sertan. And you had a couple guys into the portal uh, that might've been in the mix with, with Ronald Williams and Brandon Turnage, but you know, the young guys that have come in, I think have done some nice things. You know, he mentioned Kyrie Jackson and, and Kool-Aid McKinstry by name. I think Terry Arnold's also done some good things. And, you know, Marcus Banks, you know, I, I know everybody likes to, to look at the new guys, but Marcus Banks has been in the program for a while now. And, you know, I think he had at least one interception in this last scrimmage and has done some nice things. But you're right. I mean, uh, Jalen Armour Davis has, you know, it's the same with the right tackle position, uh, before Kendall Randolph got injured. You know, he's consistently been there with the ones opposite of Josh Job. Uh, it sounds like that experiment with, um, Brian Branch working at corner is over and he's back with the safeties. And, uh, yeah, you, you mentioned the guys being banged up and Nick Saban said that Jalen Armour Davis is one of those. And, um, he's, um, it sounds like he's missed a couple practices or at least been limited in some capacity. But I think the, the key phrasing here is what he said uh, with we need to get everybody out there on the field so we can work together as a unit which is something we haven't been able to do for the last three or four practices that to me makes it sound like he envisions Jalen Armour Davis in that group as a starter uh, with that first team mm-hmm. secondary whether base nickel or dime and um, you know, I, again I think that that dates back to the spring where he's you know been the guy opposite Josh Job uh, for all of those practices and for most of the preseason if not all of it so I think he's in good standing. It doesn't sound like you said, like a significant injury and they haven't really had any of those up to this point. Um, hopefully that doesn't happen, uh, this close to the start of the season. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the corners, they, they feel better about that, seeing how some of these young guys have come in and and contributed, especially some of those newcomers.
1: Bouncing around a little bit, but we can do that here. It's our podcast. We can do whatever the hell we want. Um, (laughs) Charlie, wide receiver. Uh, I know you guys had an opportunity uh, on Thursday to catch up with Jordan Battle, the outstanding safety for the Crimson Tide. And reading your update uh, from that media opportunity, it was interesting because I thought Jordan Battle kind of ran down some guys for you at the wide receiver position uh did Jordan Battle kind of give us or reaffirm, because it seemed like a similar list in the way it was provided, not that he sat around and said, OK, let me get this list of receivers from one through five ready for the media. But just in terms of guys who have stood out to Nick Saban, it sort of echoed, I think, with Jordan Battle and what he had to say about some of those guys at wide receiver.
0: Yeah, it really did. And um, it's worth noting that he was asked specifically about Jamison Williams and, and his speed. And you know, he he said the typical Alabama answer in that all our receivers have speed. You know, he he talked about them as a group and didn't single guys out. But then he <laughs> he took a detour and then he started naming some individuals. And He said that, you know, Jamison's a great player, John Mechie's a great player, and he mentioned Slade Bolden and and JoJo Earl. And he said everybody, but, you know, not specifically. And um, and he talked about the receivers being great weapons and how it's great to compete against them uh, on a day-to-day basis. But, yeah, that quartet, that's really been the the ones that have stood out in terms of what they've done on the field at practice and scrimmages and, and what Nick Saban said. And, um, you know, I think at this point, I'd be shocked if Jamison Williams doesn't start uh, the season opener. I think guys like Javon Baker and, and Treshawn Holden are probably also in the mix there. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see any of those guys uh, in the lineup. But Jamison Williams had a really good preseason. Uh, Nick Saban has said that multiple times now. And JoJo Earl starting to be someone that they've mentioned uh, by name uh, on a consistent basis. And, um, yeah, I think yeah, I, I wouldn't peg him to start at this point or anything like that but it wouldn't surprise me to see him maybe be the first guy off the bench uh, maybe along with those those sophomores in Baker and Holden but um, I, mean, I think I've talked about it how wide receivers may be the the biggest question mark for me going into the season that's shifted now in the last week or so to the offensive line I think the receiver spots in in better shape because they have the returning guys and Mechie and Bolden. And then, you know, you have the guys in the program who sounds like they've had pretty good preseason, all three of them Baker and Holden and, and Dayu Jones Bell. Uh, but the newcomers have really come along, especially some of the guys that were added uh, over the summer in Jamison Williams and, and JoJo Earl. And I think Earl is a guy that can not only make an impact in the receiving game or in the passing game as a receiver, but also as a punt returner.
1: So. Understanding the aforementioned depth chart Monday looms here in the next three or four days, where will your eyes go first when that depth chart is distributed on Monday? What areas of this football team are you you going to be most interested to see on that depth chart and maybe how some things stack up? And with that in mind, what is your expectation? Expectation shape and expectations <laughs> for oars and or slashes to kind of you know let us know that maybe some things aren't quite settled.
0: Yeah, I think the offensive line is is where we'll see the the most um, shared spots on first team. I think it wouldn't surprise me to see that slash or or whichever they choose to go with at the center's position, uh, right tackle. Uh, maybe even the, the second teamers there, you never know, but mm-hmm. offensive line is probably where I'll look first. I think receiver, like we just talked about is one of interest. Cause I'll be interested to see where Jamison William falls, where <laughs> Jojo Earl fall. I, I don't think they will be far from the top. If not up there, um, tight end, you know, where do they have Jalil Billingsley? I, I think he's clearly, you know, if, if in good standing a starter, but you know, where is that standing right now? Um, the running back spot you know how do they break them down I had that is kind of one of the the questions I still have is just how are they going to split those carries up and defensively I think there's there's less of that for me um you know I, I, I earlier in the preseason uh, I would have probably thought there'd be maybe a slash at inside linebacker uh but I think Henry Tovito will be up there by himself more than likely um but defensively, I think it'll probably be more so uh, the backups. You know, what do the backups at, at outside linebacker look like? Um, you know, where is Deontay Lawson at that inside linebacker position? Um, you know, the the corners, the safeties. Safety might be one on that first team line. That yeah. is an or, or with Helms and, and Brian Branch, the way that both of them have played uh, this preseason. And of course, with Helms doing that injury. But um, the defensive line, just how it shakes out. I don't have one in particular. Uh, for me, it's just, yeah, I, I try to project that. I'll do that this weekend before we get to, to depth chart Monday. But um, there, there's a lot that I'm I'm pretty fascinated to
1: see how it looks. You didn't mention punter, Charlie. Um, what about James Burnett and well, the revelation that he is actually working with the rugby team or that Nick Saban has plans, according to his comments Wednesday night, to allow James to work with the rugby team to increase his comfort level.
0: <laughs> yeah, we got a rare <laughs> joke, Sabin. And uh, I, the thing is, I, I don't. I think he'll be alone up there at the top of the deck. Right. I really think that James Burnett has separated himself. Uh, for me, I, you know, I, I'm sorry for not including special teams. For me, we haven't heard a word about it, uh, but, you know, long snapper, what does yeah. what it look like there? Cause we, you know, they have all walk ons, uh, you know, Thomas Fletcher obviously has moved on to the NFL. Um, you know, what does that look like? I, I think the, the return game as well. Um, you know, that'll be, uh, I'm curious to see how that'll look. Holder, um, I think that's Paul Tyson at the top and, yeah, I think Bryce Young has been the, the backup there, which is kind of a, an interesting tidbit. I think Slade Bolden could do it too if if they wanted him to. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that punter will have a, a slash. I think James Burnup has come in and and um
1: kind of separated himself from the rest of the guys. The punter from down under, James Burnup, And the return game that we've talked about, you mentioned earlier with JoJo Earl, a prime candidate for punt return duties and you know, kickoff return. Uh, We see uh, different guys back there at at different times in recent years. Sometimes it's a wide receiver that's in that spot. Sometimes it's a running back. Sometimes it's both.
0: It is, yeah. And, you know, Nick Saban mentioned all the the running backs as options there. But he he really pointed out Kamar Wheaton, uh, the freshman. Um, You know, I think that says a lot about Wheaton. He mentioned Jamison Williams as a a possibility there. Um, You know, last year, the – the guy that led the team in kickoff returns, I believe, was Jaleau Billingsley. But I, I don't think we'll see that uh, this fall with some of the the pieces they've added. So, yeah, I mean, the the return game, um, I think we have a solid idea of how that is going to look. But even whenever we're allowed uh, at practice, which hasn't been in a while now and, and won't be for the foreseeable future, um, that's something that we don't get a good grasp of, especially, you know, in some of these scrimmages or even the 8 day game because they're not live. So um, I think that that how it breaks down, it, sometimes there's always a, a weird one added and kickoff return is usually where it's at. So that'll be that'll be interesting to see how it plays out
1: workload for Will Riker, too. Right. You know, he's going to handle field goals and extra points. But does Jack Martin maybe factor in there as the kickoff guy? got some things to to sort out there where placements are concerned, too, I guess.
0: Yeah, and, and those two have been the, the primary uh, place kickers, I guess you could say, in the preseason, which is pretty curious because, you know, Jack Martin's the guy that punted pretty well for Troy before he transferred to Alabama, and, um, you know, it sounds like he didn't punt at all in that second scrimmage. It was Burnup and, and Ty P. Ryan with Burnup having the better day, and, um, you know, I think you, you saw what Will Reichard uh, can do. You know, he had a perfect season last year. There's no question that he's gonna be, you know, the, the field goal kicker and and guy on extra points. But do you take a little bit of pressure off of them and, and allow a guy like Jack Martin to handle kickoffs. So we saw that last year with Chase Allen, the walk on. Um he did that a lot of the time. So that that could be the dynamic there. Um but that yeah you know, I think that rounds out special teams. It that's
1: it's starting to fall into place, but there's still, you know, maybe a question mark here and there for them. Shout out for my guy, Gabe Pugh, as one of those long snappers. He was in fall camp. We'll see. We'll see where Gabe Pugh, the former Northridge Jag, shows up on that depth chart, maybe on Monday as well. Uh, it is that time of the preseason as we transition into game week. Scout team numbers ought to be coming out, Charlie. Anytime now. Uh, Nick Saban was asked about DeRick King, the Miami quarterback. Following Wednesday's practice, uh, are we both in agreement that that's got to be Jalen Milrow in a number one in the coming days? If he's the number three, I guess, in the pecking order.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, I don't think he'll be the the scout team quarterback every week, but with facing the guy as dynamic as De'Aaron King, uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, you know, Nick Saban, you know, showered him with praise, talking about his athleticism, his quickness, um, his ability to extend plays and the fact he's a good passer and, you know, just how effective he is is going to be, um, intriguing to see how that plays out coming off of that injury. It sounds like everything coming out of Miami camp is that, you know, he's a hundred percent ready to go, but you know, how he performs against his Alabama defense will be, I think the, the top matchup that a lot of people are looking forward to. So yeah, I mean, uh, haven't looked. Just because we've been recording this, if we've gotten photos yet from today's the
1: photo, the photo drop. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But, uh, I'm sure those, those scouting numbers will, will be coming out here pretty shortly.
1: Start popping usually that Thursday, Friday of the week before game week, it seems like. But, uh, Charlie, I think we're good, man. I think we've wrapped it up here, uh, for a Thursday. And as always, I appreciate you taking the time. Always great stuff for Charlie Potter from Charlie Potter for us. At BamaOnline.com Come hang out with Charlie and myself On the Roundtable, the premium message board of choice For Alabama Crimson Tide fans around the world Love to hang out with you there on the Roundtable And of course, keep it locked at BamaOnline.com For all things Crimson Tide If you haven't already, how about a subscription to this year' podcast The Bama Online Podcast It's free, simple as a click or two and if you would leave us a rating and a review while you're there, that would help us out tremendously. Anything else, Charlie? Before we get out of here?
0: No, I do want to say I I, I don't know if it could be picked up on the podcast, but I'm sitting here in my office and my cat's just having a, a field day. Off- <laughs>
1: so if that what's the cat's up, I, name? We need his, a name for the kitty.
0: His name is Lenny. Um, he's I like more that. he's more dog than cat, and right. uh, well, we like he, Lenny. Then. <laughs> yeah, he's. I don't know
1: what the hell's wrong with him. he's just going nuts over here, so I've been kind of distracted. He probably wants some catnip or something, maybe a little treat. Charlie come on, you know he's trying to get your attention there. We've got a Pomeranian that is almost fourteen years old by the name of foo, and uh he tends to get that way a little bit too. They're like kids, Charlie. I know uh you know you you you're 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 still childless at this point. God bless you for that that that's not a criticism that's not a <laughs> criticism, Charlie. That may be a little bit of envy in some way, but uh, they are these pets. They're just like kids, just like children, the way, they, uh, the way they need you, it seems like, at certain times. All right, Charlie, we'll keep up with you. They're with us at BamaOnline.com. We'll do this again real soon.
0: All right, man. It's always good to catch up.
1: For Charlie Potter, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us on the Bama Online Podcast. Until next time, so long, everybody.